Hello everyone and welcome to the Spacemen from Pluto podcast. I'm your host today, Dan, and I'm joined by... Noel, Noel, Ben. <laughs> James. <laughs> and Christian. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Unless you're not watching it the day it's released, in case... Just hello. Because yeah. <laughs> Christmas is over now, probably. <laughs> yeah, if you're not watching out on Christmas, then... Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Lovely to spend Christmas Day with you guys. Really yeah, who, who needs a family when you've got a podcast to record? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't record this uh, two weeks ahead of schedule. No, we would never. <laughs> no, no, we don't do They'll never know. <laughs> so last week we talked about our favourite Christmas films. Um, so this week we thought we'd mix it up a little bit. And we're just going to do a bit of a review of 2020 films and TV. <laughs> oh. Guys, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Not a general review because maybe that would be slightly depressing for Christmas Day. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're basically going to talk about what films we liked during this year, what TV we liked, and just have a bit of a discussion about that. Uh, but first, we're going to chat about what we've been watching this week. Um, so, I'll jump to you first, James. Oh, what I was going to say, watching? I am. Um absolutely fuming about what i've been watching this week so uh <laughs> this ben as you know so i've been oh, working no. my way through agents of shield the marvel show right and the thing is <laughs> no, 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 no. it's it's not a great show it's a nice it's an easy watch you can just binge it switch off for a bit and just it, i don't want to call it white noise because i do enjoy the show but it's <laughs> it's just like a nice thing to have a chunk of something that i can always come to and watch and like just kind of switch off for a bit so I was like, brilliant, sweet, that's great. I fell off it when it was first coming out because I didn't enjoy it, waiting a whole week for one episode, and then having to, like, week by week, it was, it, I didn't get as into it. So I was like, sweet, it's all finished now, it's all on Disney+, Plus. I can just watch that through, sound. Got to the final season, watched the first four episodes, and went, yeah, so uh, if you enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you might watch these other shows. I was like, I'm not, I'm not finished with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Where, where's the rest of it? Oh no, we're, we're putting it out weekly, even though it uh, finished airing ages ago. We're going to still release it weekly on Disney+. Plus. So I'm now back having to wait a week for each episode, <laughs> oh, no. and I'm like, this show is not worth waiting a week for. Oh dear. So I, I need a new show, if anyone's yeah, got any recommendations. You really, you really do. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll be talk- I'll be talking about shows later. Um, uh, have they all finished? Can I just watch them in one bulk when I want? Yeah, yeah. Have you got any more to add, James? I can just go into mine. I no, you go off. for yours. Literally, that's it. I'm just fuming that I've now got to wait to watch this mediocre <laughs> show. I mean, I've been, try- I've, been, I've been trying to tell you for weeks, James, to stop watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, I've come good. too far now. <laughs> just give up. It's all right to give up, man. Some relationships you just have to walk away from, you know. You just got to walk away from it. Let go, James. Let go. I checked out a show I got recommended from a friend. It was quite curious. It was a show. It's on YouTube. Oh, and it's okay. kind of, I think it's a show. It's more like a mini series. It's a New Zealand mini series called The Eggplant or, o- or Aubergine. Aubergine. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aubergine. Jesus Christ. In the, in the UK. Uh, it's set, I think, I don't know if it was just made as a show um, or it's made like, because it's funded by the something to do with the government, the New Zealand government, but there might just be funding. Because each episode has like a message. It's like, well, this episode deals with bullying. Because it's set in a school where the head, the headmaster, uh, headmistress. I don't know what the word is anymore. It's a, it's a, a woman is the headmaster. It's not really relevant. Um, and she turns up to school, you know, one day, and there's a giant aubergine just in the field, like a paper mache looking one. Right. <laughs> and she's, and she's like, 
what the hell? <laughs> why is why is this here? And so she's trying it, and it's about she's investigating who put it there. And then each episode is a different student who they think uh, did it, and then you get a flashback as to how they ended up seeing the eggplant in the field. And it's about ten to fifteen minutes an episode. And it's what like, that yeah, yeah. Weird. And like, it's it like, sounds like something from CBBC. It doesn't sound like it's. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like particularly it's, gripping. It, it's it's quite it was quite curious because it's like it's both a comedy, but then it's like dealing with uh, bullying and uh, like I'm halfway through the the third episode where it's about dealing with uh, boys pestering girls for nude pictures and stuff. So it's like. Um, What's the word? It's sort of like Edut- a light-hearted entertainment. Yeah, it's like a light-hearted vehicle for some good messages. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah, thought, okay, oh, I think it's, okay. I think it's government. So when I watched it, I thought, I think this is government-funded to show young people about don't online bully, pe- don't bully people. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just a show. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it on YouTube Premium? No, no. Or is it just it's on it's just, free just, type, YouTube. just type the eggplant? Oh, okay. YouTube, I think some other stuff might come up if you start searching the eggplant. Yeah, and it's just about. It's just like these New Zealand kids. Okay, I'll give that a look, actually. Dealing with, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's quite good. It's all right. Where did and you hear about then that? A friend sent me the trailer over Instagram, right? Because we, we watched like weird little stuff. I guess I'll speak about what I've been watching because I think Ben, you've also been watching this, right? Because we discussed briefly how you have a bone to pick with uh, his dark materials. Oh yeah, and... the uh, a few episodes ago now, but yeah, episode six. Yeah. Episode six. Well, okay. So, um, what episode are we up to? We're up to episode six now, aren't we? I suppose it... a time of release. It was a few. At weeks time ago. of release. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, we I, I edit around that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't um, think anyone's ooh. under the pretense that we actually recorded this on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've ruined the illusion. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I was okay. Spoilers for episode six of season two for anyone that's behind on the show. Time yeah. code here to skip. Cheers, James. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I'm curious to know if your bone to pick is the same as my bone to pick. Okay, I, I have been enjoying his dark materials a lot, not as much as maybe I would hope, but it's been pretty good. Um, it's definitely better than the first series. There's still something not quite right about it that I can't put my finger on. This is Coulter, sorry. And yeah, and it started doing that thing where it's kind of poorly written and they need to get kind of characters to certain places or in certain situations, so they're just <laughs> making stuff up. I think, like, I, think I know. <laughs> so you're, you're, the scene that you didn't like, I suspect, is the one with Mrs. Coulter and the Spectres, right? Yes. It, yeah. So, a bit just... of background for Christian and James. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So, basically, the spectres are these things that exist in an, in another parallel world where uh, Lyra's ended up with another character called Will. And the spectres, are, I think the Dementors from Harry Potter, right, they're a little yeah. bit like that. Okay. They sort of you know, suck out your soul or something like that. Um, a bit like what the Dementors do. Um but they ignore children for unknown reasons. It's because they're not if they went before they reach puberty. They just ignore children for some reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. It ties into the plot, and we kind of are getting to understand why they ignore children over adults. But with adults, they just leave them like as husks of people who just kind of stare at the wall all day. Um, anyway, Mrs. Coulter's from Lyra's world, and she 
um, manages to get into this world with the spectres and she sees these spectres and then decides that it's fine she can just walk up to them because all she needs to do is just hide that she's what human. makes her human she right. can suppress it <laughs> she can suppress she can the fact yeah control and, them and now mrs Coulter can control the spectres and honestly i can't remember if that happened in the book i hope not and <laughs> i think it may have done to some extent but not in the extent that they're sort of like illustrated here it's like now she can it's basically like as if uh you know bellatrix lestrange and harry potter suddenly decided that she could tell the dementors what to do and make them use her use them to her kind of advantage it was just really poorly written because like there was no lead up to it there was no kind of like hinting or foreshadowing or anything it was just like a moment in 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 the story that basically went right we need mrs Coulter to become powerful like we're not even going to give her much rationale for like because she literally just approaches them without any fear it's like she knows exactly what to do she's only just been introduced to these specters in the last kind of in the last episode and suddenly she's like completely managed to yeah um, master them and it's just a bit it was just a bit yeah one bit of the shit. most blatant oh we've written ourselves into a corner where adults get killed by them and can't fight them but now our main antagonist is in the same world as them. What do? What the hell do we do? Oh, she can just control them. So, like, oh, really? And we already. I already don't like her as it is. <laughs> and she's now gone and done this. <laughs> is it the performance you don't like, or is it? Yeah, the um, performance. She's just really over the top and annoying. But also, one thing that I did like about it, kind of, it's a nice little Easter egg, is that um, Andrew Scott's in it, isn't he? Is the shaman guy, and it's pretty good so far. But I like the fact that his his demon. Uh, his voice acted by uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And obviously it's those two... reunion, yeah. It's like a Fleabag reference, because obviously in Fleabag they were sort of an item for a bit, and it's a nice little, like, oh, she's his demon. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? But she's only had one line so far. It's, <laughs> oh. it's like she won't talk. I don't know if she just wasn't available for the episode or whatever, but she's literally just said, follow me <laughs> in like the episode before this one and then never spoke again so it's like why have they cast her i don't quite understand <laughs> but anyway maybe she'll talk in the next episode too, though, it's one of those though where like in the first series they did it loads where because everyone has a demon like an animal demon and it's like obviously it's pretty big on budget like it's burning through the budget to have to animate everyone's demon yeah. all the time so they just had like convenient demons that like lived up people's sleeves and stuff or like were really small little like moths yeah and yeah uh, it's the same deal with this i think it's like yeah they've just kind of like written around the fact phoebe waller bridge wasn't available so she just doesn't talk even though she would do but yeah anyway a small gripe but i like the idea of her being his demon it's uh, sweet and all that. <laughs> but yeah i've also uh been watching something else which kind of leads me on to christian because i know that he's probably been watching something similar i've been watching a lot of videos of the glitches on Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> and oh and boy. Like, you, 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 you had some things to say about Cyberpunk 20, 2077, Yeah. Right? Um, well, I am one of the, some might say unfortunate people, who, <laughs> um, you know, got it day one, started playing at midnight as soon as it unlocked. Um, at the time of recording, it's been out 
uh, almost a week. It's been out six days. Uh, they've done a lot of updates, but yeah, it's it's very very glitchy. And normally, I don't mind glitches. I mean, you know, Skyrim came out with glitches, and I still love Skyrim. Uh, Cyberpunk at the moment has some few a few game impacting glitches. The main one, uh, like I'm playing it. I'm nowhere near as bad as the people who are playing it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One because that that is really bad. Because um, I'm playing it on a PlayStation 5, um, the game still crashes on occasion. I think I've had it crash four times while I've been Ooh, playing it. That's really bad. Which is which is a lot of times for a game to crash just randomly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it 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 crashed three times day one. <laughs> then they did an update where they said we fixed most of the crashes and Bosters. since then it has only crashed once so i was like okay so the crashes are getting less frequent that's nice it's all just a big joke like let's let's just call it what it is this game was delayed by over a year and has come out and is this bad like it's shocking and the thing so my thing is it's been a bad release whatever maybe they've had some issues that's fine the thing that's really annoyed me about all of this is the way they worded their apology, and like one of the first sentences they had in the apology was saying, "We're sorry that we didn't show people footage, in-game footage from PS4 and Xbox One, um, so people didn't have a fully informed decision." And to me, that makes it sound like they intentionally hid. They knew about these bugs were going to be on the current gen, and they purposely hid them. I was like, "That is well, scummy." The the the, the problem that like, I, I there's a lot of people out there who are saying. Oh, I mean, I, I can't believe they haven't fixed these glitches and these bugs. I don't think it was delayed because they couldn't fix these bit glitches and bugs. I think it was delayed because originally it wouldn't run at all on the PS4 or Xbox oh, One. They don't release they, it. They, they'd been so ambitious. I, I said the same thing. I said they should have just apologized to people and said, we're going to release it March next year on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X only. We're sorry, it's a very ambitious big game, so it's only going to release on next-gen because it will only run on next-gen. Instead, they've tried to get it out before Christmas, and it's it's been a clunky mess. And you know what? Like, glitches aside, I'm really enjoying the narrative. The characters are all really good. Like, it, there's, a, there's a really good game there that is just plagued with... Horror, horrendous glitches mm. a lot of the characters are super sort of like creative and you, you can like the, the conversations that you get into them they've really developed the characters I mean there's one character you meet early on called Judy and like her actual look tells stories about her because if you like go into the photo mode and zoom in she's got a tattoo of um, Radiohead song lyrics on her arm. What? <laughs> what? What lyrics are they? Uh, I think it's from. I think it's from the pyramid. Pyramid song. Yeah, pyramid song. Yeah. 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 yeah she's got pyramid song on one one arm, and then there's some red. <laughs> she's she's got some red hot chili pepper lyrics on her other arm. Ooh. She just has "I'm a creep" tattooed on her forehead because, you know, that's how you do all the best character development—just tattoo it on their face. <laughs> yeah, Radiohead actually don't like that song, so get it right. Um, oh, oh here uh, we go. No, they, they, they went through a period of uh, Radiohead podcast. They went through a period <laughs> of not liking that song. 
because it was overplayed but yeah, now yeah. they play it because they're not dickheads because no one knows any of their other songs <laughs> uh, so we've I think spoke about what we've been watching for long enough so we're going to move on to the next section of the podcast now the main section and we're going to talk about some of our favourite films and television of this year um, so who's going to start me off oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay so who wants to go first go on host i don't know if you guys watched this probably did um remember the first lockdown do you remember tiger king lockdown oh uh, i said tiger yeah. king's this year like that feels tiger so king long ago is this year this happened this year um did you guys watch tiger king what did you think i watched it in a day you finished it in a day. Did it in a day. Wow. You binge watched it all. Yeah, it's like the first. Like I don't. I'm not a binge watcher, but I just did it in the day. It got it Good done. Lord. Got it out Good of the Lord. way. It was a bit of a roller coaster of a day. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was. James, did you watch it? I I think I have like two episodes left. I my, I I think I'm just not a huge documentary fan. I don't the style. And the format just doesn't grip me. Like so, each episode I was watching, I was like, oh, "I'm enjoying this. It's pretty good. Oh, it's a 45 minute episode. I'm probably got about 50 minutes left." I'd look, and I'd, I'd only watch 10 minutes. I was like, "It it just felt like it was going on for such a long time for me." So I was I was never excited to watch the next episode, but I, I enjoyed the bits that I watched. It was interesting. It was like looking back at it now, is it as good a documentary as we kind of thought it was at the time? Because it was no. more of a collective cultural moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Tiger King. Everyone was in the situation where we had to watch something, and then <laughs> Tiger King came along, <laughs> and it was like the perfect time, and sort of it became a meme. And Tiger King himself, I can't remember his name. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Yeah, of course. And Carol Baskin. They were meme to death. But if you look at that actual story, it's quite a dark story with quite dark characters. Joe Exotic doesn't seem like the most stable person. There were a lot of weird events in that story. Um, It was an interesting story, for sure. I think it did go on a couple of episodes too long. It was dragging out towards the end, I think. But yeah, there were some quite shocking moments. The most shocking moment of it was... um, when the guy killed himself on camera. You oh, God, that? yeah. And it was like, I really wasn't expecting that. The fact it was filmed, and it was like... I'm Jesus surprised. Christ, like, I know man. you don't actually see him, but I'm st- I'm still quite shocked they were allowed to air that. Like, they were allowed to yeah. put that in a public documentary. Because it's... it's Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's the moment someone basically dies, right? Life, so yeah. It's very, very... Yeah, and the fact you can't actually see it, you only see the reaction to it, is makes it all the more kind of crazy. And it was at that moment just that I thought, that frame, though. yeah, no, totally. And it was at that moment though that I thought, oh, this isn't really a joke, though, is it? This, you know, everyone's kind of laughing and making fun of this show, and it's all a big laugh. But like, wait a sec, someone actually died, and yeah, this happened, and this happened, and it's probably not. It's probably not as comedic as we think, but it was an interesting documentary. It was an interesting moment for everyone. Uh, interesting start to the year. I feel like it, like part of the reason I started watching it was because it was the sort of like 2020 online version of the water cooler moment, where it was just everyone yeah. was yeah. talking about it. So if you didn't, if you hadn't seen it, you were just kind of out the loop. Yeah, it was just it was just wild. Like the events of what occurs. It's just like some this just crazy stuff that goes on that it's kinda of hard to believe, so you just go, What the fuck I've just gotta see what the fuck everyone's talking about, like what the hell is this? 
and then you just yeah i don't think it was the best documentary in terms of its structure or its format in the world but it was just a bit of a wild ride and just mm-hmm. a bit very strange and very uh colorful characters be a dark a dark tale if you don't see blackfish that's pretty mental that's i've not oh, seen that. blackfish blackfish was really good. i've not seen it <laughs> Blackfish. It, it's all about yeah. like a sort of an expose on SeaWorld and how they handle yeah, killer, yeah. Whales. Um, killer whales and that, the orcas. It's it's mad. But that didn't come out in 2020, so it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to pick another documentary for this one because uh, I don't know if you guys are as into documentaries as I, as I am, um, but but um, that's irrelevant because I'm going to talk about, <laughs> talk about documentary. <laughs> this was a documentary. It was really well put together really well made but incredibly dark um and i'm sure one of you must have seen it um it's called don't fuck with cats oh yeah uh, i have seen, it. Guy I seen that. it i saw it yeah i would recommend that because it is a really horrible story but it's only three episodes and yeah it was really really gripping um it's basically about a guy who posts videos to the internet of him killing cats, <laughs> which is horrible. <laughs> but um, it's about the investigation that the internet kind of put into finding this person and all the internet sleuths and the kind of, um, like, looking deeply within these videos for clues as to who this person was, like, looking at things like, um, like the type of... I can't remember specific examples, but it was stuff like the type of wood on the door frame oh, yeah, yeah, that would could yeah. only have been produced in this country or that country so therefore there, we're going to narrow it down there was and, some light stuff where they were looking at the reflections in the windows weren't they and like and they were like oh and that's a gas station outside let's try and figure out where that gas station is and then we can figure out where his house is pretty cool it's like some Sherlock that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah and it was really good because the story really does spiral into it does spiral and spiral and spiral. I was going to say, doesn't it start with cats and then just sort of descend? Yeah. So it turns out I don't really mind. I'm, I don't really mind spoiling this because at the end of the day, it's a documentary. It's about a true, true life subject. The, the information's already out there. And really, is it the the fine line between entertainment and kind of actual real life events? Should we really have spoiler warnings <laughs> on something like this? Right. Um, basically it turns out that this guy who's been killing the cats has actually been like killing people as well and he's actually behind another another like internet nasty video essentially a snuff video where he, he kills a, a, a person and so it's all about this guy and what they find out about him and what they uncover and it's really like it's really, really well put together. It's it's mostly put together with sort of footage from that's captured from social media and captured from Facebook and already existing footage. And then occasionally you'll have some talking head interviews with people who were kind of at the forefront of the internet investigation. Because I don't really think the police were involved that much initially. So it's it's a style that Netflix has kind of adopted and... It works really well. I'd recommend it. It's, it. I mean, it's not the most Christmassy of. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not the most Christmassy of things Christmas. to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For my final pick, um, you guys will probably have this on your lists um, because it's something we all watched, right? We all enjoyed the boys, right? Yeah. yeah. Second oh, season right. of the boys. Yeah, God, yeah. That that was this year, Ben. That happened, and it's weird because like I almost forgot that it happened because mm. it doesn't appear on many like end of year 
best of lists or anything like that. What's a reason for that? Yeah, I mean, there is an <laughs> argument to say the second series isn't as good as the first series, but I um, I still really enjoyed um, this season, The Boys. Yeah. I, I, the, the Boys is actually something I've only watched this year. I didn't watch it last year when it came out initially, and I binged season one and two in one go, so maybe that, that kind of affected how I viewed the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to season three. But um, so yeah, Ben, you don't think it, oh, it's good? I, I enjoyed season three. <laughs> I don't come to you. I can't remember my thoughts on it. I remember not enjoying it hugely, but I, I was sat, literally sat there now thinking, what was my opinion on the boys? <laughs> I thought, I, I thought I, it was alright. I enjoyed it. I think I didn't get into it nearly as much as I did the first season because the first season it all got dumped at once, and I just got to binge it and get super into it. Whereas there was all this lead up. I was waiting for season two for so long. And then again, it's just like coming out weekly. I was like, I'm enjoying this, but I'm just not, I'm not getting into it as much. I, so I, I think I would rather them dump it all at once so I can just do one huge binge session. Are you not getting yeah. into it as much? Because it's not very engaging. It's not very good. Well, I don't know. Because I keep saying that I'll rewatch season two in one go. Like now that I can, but I've never gone back to it. I enjoyed it. Tells. Mm, maybe. I think it's still good. Shows. I like the stuff they do. I don't know. It just really, like, from season one onwards, it really... Season one's um, incredible. Season one's yeah. really good. I, I think that, I think because I watched it all in one go, I, I, was, I found it easier to stick with all the characters and their stories and stuff. Like, um, I think some of the characters are really memorable. Obviously, the Homelanders, like... The best. Uh, what, yeah. what a great was, character, you know. It's like best. every scene, steals every scene he's in and everything. And, like, the... Anthony Star's yeah, incredible. It's, it's Homelander and Butcher at the show... Yeah, and I was going to say, Butcher, as always, like Carl Urban, carries a lot oh, of that show. I, honestly, I really I really liked some of the um, scenes and episodes we got where it was like Huey and Mother's Milk going off and doing stuff. I thought they were had a nice sort of dynamic, thought they worked really well I love, together. I, I love Mother's Milk yeah, he's as really a character. Good. Like, he's, he's so good as a character. Yeah. Like, you feel like if it when it comes down to a fight, he can still hold his own. But then when he's out of the fight, you get this whole nice... I was going to say maternal, even though he's called Mother's Milk. He's got like a nice sort of fatherly figure role, which I quite, uh, yeah, it's a nice character. Feels, he feels well-rounded, which I quite like. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did spend sort of the last two episodes of season two being like, you better not kill him or I'm not tuning in for season I thought two. They had... You better not kill him. I thought, Do not kill him now. I thought in the house, uh, uh, like the episode where Black Noir attacks him in the house and he lobs a throw knife and it hits him in the chest. I was like, they've just killed Mother's Milk. He's done. And then when afterwards he's like, he's fine, I'm like... Interesting. Yeah, I've read, I've read the books. Iffy. So I don't no. have any of that sense of peril. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why you're not enjoying it as much because we're enjoying the ride, whereas you you aren't because you know where it's well, going. I, to an extent. I, I would partially agree. I, I would say a big criticism of season two is that it's really not the books almost at all. Oh, okay. And... And the books is way better. So the books really is know. better, is they? Yeah, why? Why? I don't know. I'm sat there going, why have you bothered adapting? I just feel, I, I was, there's points in the show. I was like, you've just got the name, and you're just doing your own. What? What you're doing? Uh, so I don't know. But yeah, uh, the, char- yeah. the characters are the same. Stormfront's not. The main lot are the same. But other than that, that's kind of it, really. Talking of adaptations, one of my picks is wholly original. <laughs> <laughs> God's sake. Uh, I also forgot this show was actually this year because this show predates coronavirus, the pandemic. And I was like, what? This was in Feb- February. 
Oh God! <laughs> uh, it's a show I love. It's a show called Inside Number Nine. Ah, oh. so good. Like so it's on the BBC, uh, written by Reece Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, who are from a two or half of the League of Gentlemen, and also did a show called Psychoville. And it, this this year was the fifth season, and so the show is uh, every episode. It's entirely new, different episode. And it's all set within the guise of something to do with the number nine. So one episode is set within a train car, the ninth train car on a train. One episode is, is revolves around a size nine shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and this, yeah, this season was a pretty strong season. Uh, I think it, they, they've gone beyond just doing 30, like, so each episode's 30 minutes and you're in and you're out and it's done. But they've like gone beyond like the, the story structure and they've experimented with loads of stuff. So like one episode this year involves it was set during the month of December in this family, and it's one scene uh, over the month. So it's like the calendar is the structure. So you see that they'd open the number one of a calendar and it would go into the scene for the day, and yeah. then the next day and stuff like that. And they did like a live episode as well. It's a really great show. It's insanely well written. Uh, not every episode is the same tonally. Some episodes are fully comedic, some are deadly serious, some are horror. So like one episode, there'll be a vampire. And one episode, it's, you know, a silent comedic episode with Dennis Lawson from Star Wars. Um, It's just great. (laughs) (laughs) It's really worth the watch. Some are better than others. Yeah, I always think that when when you do like a bunch of different sort of genres in one show you run the risk of maybe like horror is your like re- you're really good at that so then when you do comedy it's weaker but there's also going to be the people that came to this show for comedy so when you do horror you're like well, this isn't what i want from this show so i'm interested I, to I see how you, how well they've done it yeah i think you'll buy it because the episodes most of the time are pretty great and the league of gentlemen is a comedy ho- horror show that's where they've come from their two loves of comedy and horror so they those particularly are their strong suits, and they and then they chuck in these uh, these awesome f- drama episodes, like the episode I said about the Christmas one, um, you know the calendar one. That's quite serious and played very straight, um, and it's it's just great. Yeah, I I in this this season of Inside Number Nine has been on my list for a while because I remember uh, back at uni I binged the previous seasons of Inside Number Nine and really enjoyed them all. Like. Because straight away I was like, ah, I wonder what show this is, you know, what this show is going to be like. And straight away, I think the first episode is the the hide and seek one where yes, they're all in the sardines. wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all go in one big wardrobe. The whole cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and <laughs> Set in a wardrobe. Immedi- immediately from the get go, I was like, I I know I'm going to really yeah. enjoy this show. It's yeah. so good. Uh, also, as well, Reese and Steve they write and they act in it as well. But some episodes they're not the lead, so it's also like a who's who of British stars and actors so it's great because you can you can just hire these people to turn up for a day or two and they act in this one really well written episode and you know so it's and they, and it's funny enough they predated coronavirus one episode in season five is people doing monologues to a camera on webcams <laughs> pre that predated zoom calls so and even that was really good so it was really really strong uh, and i'll do one more pick and then i'll move on i'll just do one more uh, a film from this year it's also a documentary. It's been a lot of good documentaries little, this year. A little bit different, though. I, I wondered if... I'd be curious if James would be interested in it. it I think I talked about it off-camera. Uh, the Beastie Boys story, I think, was this year. Oh, yeah. A documentary 
it's a documentary about the Beastie Boys told by the Beastie Boys themselves and it's directed by Spike Jones who did her and but you know like a documentary it's you know interviews and you know this yeah. is more like like a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> so it's in an auditorium like a theater and the two survive there's three members of the Beastie Boys one's died um, Adam Yauk died a few years ago and it's the two surviving members they go on stage to the audience and tell the audience and us the story of the Beastie Boys and behind them is the screen that they will then cut to you know the the, cut, the footage of the time and interviews and all this and that and stuff and it's the story about them told by them quite I don't you know something some documentaries are like leaning one way bias I think they played it pretty straight they acknowledged their flaws I don't know though I don't know the full story but it was really interesting and a, a, a different way to tell a documentary story yeah. you know of the structure you know quite a different way i was gonna say because if, if ever there was a documentary that you think would fall into the biased section it is one that is presented by the people it's about like yeah. the fact that it's so all it's coming my, from them yeah. they could say whatever yeah. they want really but it'd be interesting to look up yeah but that's my picks yeah, oh right. well thank you ben um let's go to james next then uh well i'm actually bonkers i know for a film podcast i'm gonna pick some actual films that came out in actual cinemas this year crazy wow. Wow. i know because wow. no, it did happen believe. there was about five of them nah. uh, <laughs> nah, you're lying. when we when we decided we were going to do this podcast i did have this issue that i think apparently everyone's kind of had where like there weren't any films straight away i was like yes that blew me away it was incredible looking down the ones that came out and i enjoyed they are all like i enjoyed that it was pretty good but not really amazing um, I did like the old guard that I mentioned last week came out this year, and I really enjoyed that. It was a nice, fun ride. It, I'm gonna say it again. Sonic the Hedgehog was fun. It came out this year. Whatever, <laughs> it was alright. But um, there's two films particularly that came out this year that they had a bit. You know, they they shone through a little bit more. Um, the Invisible Man I really enjoyed just because it felt like they hadn't just gone. We're a horror film. Let's be jump scary. It felt like there was more thought behind this film. Like there was some psychological thought. There was the very sort of real threat of it's a woman stuck in an abusive relationship. Like that's that's not otherworldly. It's not supernatural. Like that is very real. So I quite like that. And then it just it felt like a cle- not not super clever in the plot, but just the way it was made. In that some of the there's a lot of scenes where you're like, are they supposed to be? with the camera framing are they supposed to be telling us that the invisible man's there but there's no way he could be there so i think they're just trying to offset us and it makes you feel kind of uncomfortable and it immerses you a bit and brings you into her world which i quite liked like the paranoia yeah 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 like you feel a bit paranoid watching the film because she's paranoid it works really well um the i the finale like the sort of it does fall into a little bit generic towards the end when you get this sort of Oh, and now he's in the rain, so the suit's breaking, and now it's just a slasher thriller again. It's not; it fell a bit flat there. That that tends to be the case um, with a lot of films like that. Like I've I've watched a, f- a few horror films where I've been watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is this is really inventive and different. And then the last twenty minutes, they sort of like, well, we don't know how to finish this story in a new and inventive way, so we'll just do a typical horror film thing. Yeah, and it's just a bit disappointing, really. Like yeah. you were onto something so good, but you stopped it from being great. Mm. I thought it was a solid, solid, pretty good. The biggest compliment I can give it is it did what I want from a remake. It, I, it has nothing to do with the original. 
it solely is a re yeah, it's been it's remade its the only thing similar with which i have what i watched the original this year as well the only thing similar with the original is that somebody turns invisible yeah and other than that it's a whole <laughs> different thing so i'll give it all the props i'll give it all my respect that it actually did what i want from a remake and that it remade it and did something new yeah, yeah. and she's really good in it like it's yeah. a great performance from elizabeth moss and uh speaking of performances that carried the film the uh, other film that i really enjoyed this year was onward it was a really uh. nice story of two brothers just going on a little adventure to try and fix their dead dad <laughs> no, it's back together. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's the Disney film that came out this year, and Chris Pratt and Tom Holland they work so well as brothers together. I think obviously you know you've got the chemistry that's carried on from working together on Infinity War and all that, and it's just a really nice story. Good performances, some nice world building. It's a nice, interesting sort of concept. Um, when everyone like before it came out, like a lot of people were saying like it's a real tearjerker, and like you know. Chris Pratt couldn't really watch it and like he struggled to record it because it made him cry so much. It I if you have gone through some of the stuff that they have, I can see why I haven't. So it, I didn't have that personal grounding connection to it. But I, it's just a really nice story, some good characters. And let's be honest, there's not been a lot of great films this year, so I didn't have too many to pick from. Like, you know, yeah. I, 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 mean, I don't know if it still is. The last time I checked, Bad Boys for Life was the highest grossing film of 2020. Like, that's the state we're in. Like, fun film. Yeah. I enjoyed it. No dear, dear. Um, I, I, I was just going to jump on the end of Onward and say, no, I agree. Like, it is one of the better films that's come out this year. I know I read a lot of stuff where people were like, oh, Onward doesn't feel very Pixar. It's, you know, it's not very good. It's not very Disney. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like this is very Pixar you know it's it's got that magical element um but it's also very grounded in like a story about two brothers going on an adventure and sort of discover rediscovering their sort of bond as brothers because they've sort of drifted apart being two very different people it's it's just a very heartwarming story wrapped in a, a great fantasy disney world and i might be alone in this christian i don't i don't know if ben or dan have seen this i also didn't find it entirely predictable like i'm not it didn't it it didn't throw me for twists and turns but there were certain bits i was like okay i didn't that's not where i saw this is going fair enough no no um like especially the ending like the the way that the entire sort of final scene went yeah i was like oh this is um this is a very different direction than i thought the film was gonna go and it's yeah it, it actually sort of made it more wholesome yeah in a in a, in a way like um i'm pretty sure it's on disney yeah, plus I, now so i really recommend yeah, you guys give it yeah, a yeah, look. yeah 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 i yeah i highly recommend it it's yeah it's it's been divisive with critics and sort of people watching it but no i highly recommend it i thought it was a very good film any other picks christian um yeah i've got uh, a couple i can talk about um so basically <laughs> when we discussed this and we're like we'll do best of 2020 podcast i was like yeah cool and then i sat back and i thought and i was like i don't think i really have any best of 2020s (laughs) so i went off good year for cinema (laughs) yeah no i went off and i watched some from this year that i that i'd missed so i was like come on there's there's got to be some good films in here somewhere uh so the first one uh again in the same vein i watched a uh, in the same vein as the invisible man i watched a, a horror film um, it's called Possessor. Oh, I fucking 
knew it. <laughs> I knew you'd pick, say that. God um, damn it! Don't spoil it, please. I, I, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone because I I would really like uh, people to watch it. But um, it's uh, a film written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. David Cronenberg being the master of sort of body horror with stuff like Videodrome. Um, it's got uh, Andrea Riseborough and uh, I, I, I'm reading notes now, but yeah, Andrea Riseborough, Christopher Abbott, both absolutely kill it in like sort of major roles. Uh, Sean Bean and Jennifer Love. Uh, no, <laughs> Jennifer James Jason Lee. Lee. James, James ears have pricked up. Yeah, I have seen uh, Bean Jen- and I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Sean Bean and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee both kill it in the sort of like supporting roles. Uh, and it's like sort of an interesting almost cyberpunk story like horror it's like a very slow burn narrative but it's about um a woman who works as what would probably be described as as a possessor she works for a secretive company where they commit assassinations for high paying like high paying clients but the way that they do it is they do it through brain implants, so she will possess and inhabit someone else's body, cause them to commit the murder, and then kill themselves. Yeah. So it doesn't look like an assassination, it looks like a murder-suicide. Okay, that's an interesting concept, to be fair. I could get behind that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, the film sort of follows her through one case, and how this case ends up being quite different to the usual sort of possession um but it's got some sort of great possess like, like there's a great scene where she possesses this other character where they use practical effects and sort of flashing lights it's it's just sort of flashing lights and then you watch her body melt away but it's like a wax shell of her body and then reform in a wax shell of his body <laughs> it's it's that does so cool, good sure. like it's a really cool possession sequence and a there's there's some great like living up to his dad's legacy there's some sort of great body horrorish sequences where bits get gored and it's like definitely super practical and he's he's he stayed away from the cgi particularly just to honor that family name <laughs> i i highly recommend watching it it's it's a super interesting film um and i i recommend watching the uncut version which is the version i watched that's the version that's been sort of uh, recommended and for for a slow burn horror it's not very long like a lot of slow burn horrors tend to be like nearing on two and a half three hours this one is an hour and 40 minutes so it's like That's just over doable. feature length yeah i'll give that a look actually um and then the other film way on the other end of the spectrum um <laughs> it's sonic the hedgehog <laughs> no 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 uh i watched uh a very very uh wonderful rom-com <gasps> oh my god yeah um <laughs> called yeah um called palm springs oh god yeah might yeah, have heard of it yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, heard of this. it was a hulu original came out in july um and stars andy samberg and Kristen meloti um, we know who andy samberg is yeah yeah Dude. i know Kristen... i know the face of the girl I yeah she she's the the mother in how i met your mother for yes. anyone who oh, watched I did. it yeah, last season good. She's good. Yeah, so both like really good actors, uh, and it's like sort of a nice dramatic comedy about um, her character Sarah 
going she's like the sort of black sheep of the family like her family see her as a disappointment and she's at her sister's wedding in palm springs and meets um she she meets andy sambo's character niles uh and they have sort of a romantic evening after the wedding uh and she ends up following him all of a sudden he gets attacked she ends up following him into a mysterious cave and they end up stuck in a time loop together it's groundhog this is not where i saw this film going at all yeah it's a (laughs) it's it's a very groundhog day situation but andy sandberg has like his character niles has been stuck in this time loop so long that he doesn't remember what his old life was he's just been living the same day over and over again and now she's ended up stuck in it with him and it's all about them coming to terms of how to deal with each other because they're the only ones that remember the day when it's over yeah what if you did groundhog day but with two people (laughs) yeah picture (laughs) yeah um yeah, but like it's a it's sort of a very wholesome story. I was expecting it to be like sort of straight up whack, like wacko comedy because it is like a Lonely Island production. I was about to say when when it's Andy Samberg's involved, that's the kind of thing you expect. Yeah, um, and it does have those sort of moments. You know, there's a lot of moments where he's like, you know, there's one moment where she's like, "Well, what about if we kill ourselves?" And he was like, "Trust me, like." You, you can kill yourself all you want you just wake up back at the beginning of the day and then she starts driving head on towards a truck and uh, Andy Samu just goes well and undoes his seatbelt and lies his head against the dashboard and oh. she's like what you do-? she's like what are you doing and he's like going for a quick death <laughs> oh. that's dark and I kind of love it <laughs> that's a, a very wholesome film that I'd, I'd recommend people watch yeah that sounds and, right uh, yeah they're both on my list yeah ev- even out. though e- even though it is sort of unoriginal because you know people have done the groundhog day story thing they they sort of make it feel a bit more original just because of the way it's set and the way it's paced that's uh that's our best of 2020 it's not been a classic year no. um <laughs> there's been some uh there's been some good stuff in yeah. there um, uh, yeah yeah some can diamonds I, can I, in the rough I, I'll, I'll just finish off and say for all of those people wondering why we didn't mention tenet it's because it wasn't good <laughs> in his opinion Say no more. So with that, we'll move on to our final section of the podcast. Um, we decided to mix up things a little bit with a little bit of a concept for this next one. Um, so the idea is you're a time traveller that's come to the year 2020 and you want to catch up with all the best films of the last decade. So I'm going to ask you guys, what would you suggest to this time travel what would be on your list for the best films of the last 10 years um i'm gonna start off with james uh okay well so first of all you've got to show them an absolute 10 out of 10 five star perfect film and the obvious choice is you show them la la land because that film was the definition of perfect (laughs) (laughs) it was fun it had a nice story some great performances the while it's a musical, it's not like your greatest showman or your hairsprays where it's all big and dancey and songy. It always kind of still feels a bit grounded, which is nice. It feels a bit more raw. Like, there's just some great scenes in there. The scene where um, Ryan Gosling goes to pick Emma Stone up for the audition and she has this moment where she's like, I'm not going. I've gone through too much rejection. What if I'm not that one in a hundred that makes it? What if I'm the one of the other 99? Which really struck a chord with me at the time because that's back when I was still trying to be an actor. 
And I was like, oh shit, what if I am one of the 99? Which I am. <laughs> and I just really enjoyed it. And then it's just this love story, but where the message for me seems to be work on yourself first, be secure in your own person, and then go find love, rather than this typical Hollywood story that we get. is like, just find someone who loves you and it'll fix all your problems. I liked, like, I think this is a message we needed more. So I'd show them La La Land for, you know, the top of the top, absolute perfect, great film. You then show them Avengers Infinity War, because it's like, <laughs> at the moment, what cinema is all big on, it's your world building, it's your cinematic universes. And I think Infinity War is the pinnacle of that. It's the best way to show all these different storylines intertwined um, and coming together. It's a great way of it, how well it balances all these characters for one film. I think that's brilliant. Then what you start showing them is the lows. You show, so you've shown them the best films. You've shown them the best universes. Then you show them, I think it was 2016's Fantastic Four. Because my God, <laughs> that film was horrendous. And you've got to show them the mistakes that can be made and show them what not to do with films. And this film is the pinnacle of that. Oh, it's a superhero film. Let's set it all in one room. That's interesting, right? No, it's fucking boring. Oh, a big final fight. Shall we have, you know, loads of interesting choreography and like good fight scenes? Now nah, let's just have them all attack once. It doesn't work. So they attack together. And then, yeah, that's the end of the fight. Shite. Absolutely fucking awful this film it's genuinely the only superhero film i've ever walked out of the theaters and gone that was bad like every other one i'm like i enjoyed it for this bit there was this was that there is nothing redeeming about this film and i'm still like five years four years later so angry about how awful it was (laughs) and then fourth and finally you show them a bit of a mix you show them you know something that started off really good it was at the absolute pinnacle it was the highest and then just crumbled and became one of the biggest shit shows ever. So you show them all of Game of Thrones. Take them on that journey. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. So yeah, oh, those are my picks to catch someone up on the last 10 years of cinema and TV. <laughs> I'd love to show... All the some, aspects in there. <laughs> I'd love to show someone Avengers Infinity War with no context if they've been asleep, <laughs> if they've been out of the last decade to, to I did be introduced this, yeah. to the Guardians and not know why is there a talking raccoon in a tree for some reason. Yeah, Before, there's that. I mean, they never explained it in the first stuff. one, it's fine. What's Thanos doing? No context. <laughs> I'd love, I kind of enjoy that. It'd be so funny for someone who's only seen like... Iron maybe Man. yeah <laughs> I, I, iron man the incredible hulk and maybe the first captain america and then you're just like right here's infinity war and they're like what wait how <laughs> yeah. how did we get here yeah the hulk's changed actors where's edward <laughs> norton what is going on <laughs> uh christian i'll come to you next um well your christian's not last ideas. oh my god he wasn't ready for that <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> no um no uh, i was gonna say like I went down the horror route because, you know, I figured it's 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 a time traveller, but it's one time traveller and we're all giving them something. You know, they're going to walk away with 16 pieces of media, preferably. So I'll, I'll just I'll just give them the highlights of horror. So uh, if we're going in, if we're going in chronological, um, I would start with 2012's Maniac starring Elijah Wood. Uh, it was a remake, uh, but it was a very good remake. I enjoyed all the first-person perspective. Uh, it's a sort of good introduction into sort of the way that horror tried to start evolving 
at that sort of period of time. It might not be everyone's top pick, but I personally, it's one of my favourite films of the decade. So I would start with that. Then, um, probably not to Ben's surprise, I would go on to uh, It Follows. Mm, oh, yeah, it doesn't... Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, it was another one of my favourites. It was another one of the more interesting ways that horror tried to do something new um but with sort of using older ideas um it's got a like great soundtrack great acting and is a film that sits with you after you've finished watching yeah it's a really cool idea it follows as well the the, the whole concept of just this you know, thing literally following you until yeah, it yeah. kills you, and it, it doesn't run or anything. It's not massively threatening. It just kind of like stumbles slowly towards you. Yeah, and yeah. You've got to constantly keep on the move and constantly sort of stay out of its way. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have two more. One of them is horror. One of them isn't. So I'll, I'll start with the horror one and go into the TV show. And I say I'd show them the haunting of Hill House. Um, like I said on the streaming podcast. I was never a big fan of Netflix particularly, but that show like blew me away. I've never been particularly big into ghost stories or ghost films because I find them all very samey, but that one felt like a very unique perspective. And oh my God, episode six of that show is one of the best shot episodes of a TV show I've ever seen. It's like... I think the entire thing is four continuous shots with only four cuts throughout the episode and the way that they move the camera so that it sort of pans across the room and then when it pans back there's a ghost stood there. It's it's okay. so clever. To finish off just completely disregard the, the you know like just to completely disregard the horror thing I was going for. I'd show them uh, your name. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, sit them down, get them to watch uh, an anime. Uh, it's so so good. Um, Strong I, film. Yeah, I, I not a fan, Ben. I'm a fan. I'm shaking my head at James. <laughs> oh, right. James, you're not. James is not a oh, fan. I just then. don't like anime. I, honestly, we're, <laughs> Fair we are going to end up watching that film at some point because it's honestly one of my favorites of the decade. If it, it could be a contender for my favorite of the decade, because I went into that film uh, at the cinema knowing little to nothing about it i was like uh, yeah uh, my mate wants to go see it so i'll go see it and came out and ended up going home and writing like a good third of one of my uni essays on it wow because it, it was just such a fantastic film um is currently the highest grossing film in japan overtaking spirited away which was a pretty big deal when it came out uh, there's there's not enough I can say about that film without sort of spoiling it. it it's just a a real like yeah. emotional roller coaster with sort of drama comedy. It, it it's got everything that you need to tell really a great like unique story. Really like well animated, amazing oh, yeah. kind of amazing uh, fan- sort of fantastic soundtrack colors as well. and yeah, yeah. it's really yeah a, a good soundtrack if you're into that kind of thing. Thank you, Christian, for that. Ben, uh, what would your picks be? I was heavily debated showing this guy the 2016 presidential election. <laughs> um, That's thought, probably a good show. <laughs> I thought that would be like pretty 
mean, <laughs> just like yeah. ruin his day. But James showed him fantastic force. He's already got his day ruined. Go. So, no. <laughs> but I thought, like, what kind of like pseudo encompasses the idea of this blondish man who almost has like a cult like following around him? What kind of encompasses the decade in a film and kind of these kind of attitudes? And it's also was a great film. I would show him uh, the master. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's film, The Master with Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Set in the 50s, it's about Joaquin Phoenix who, uh, something like that. Joaquin Phoenix who, it's basically, it's not Scientology, but it basically is. It's about the origins <laughs> yeah. of Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard. And that's who basically who Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing, but they don't say it. Because, <laughs> you know, it allows them to do their own thing. And I was watching going, well, you could kind of, you know, there's kind of like this Trump vibe about him, how he's able to, through bullshit, entice these people and get them on his cause, and they won't. They'll just ignore the blatant disregards of logic of how of the, the book he writes of their beliefs and stuff. And it's a very uh, interesting film. I would also then show him a telly show, basically what we've been up to while he's been asleep, kind of called The Leftovers, a glorious fantastic show uh by damon lindelof the king <laughs> uh, about uh, set, set in our world but two percent of the world's population just disappear and it's about the people left over <laughs> who have to deal with it it's like you know while you've been asleep this is what we've been up to kind of like, kind of, <laughs> I was like the attitude uh the first is three seasons three and done the first season's adapted from the book uh the same name good but then the second and third season they go for it and it's all new material and it gets a bit more weird closer to lost in that it kind of the bit of the mystery bit stranger um and it, they, it's a, they work with the author as well so it's kind of got the blessing and stuff and it just kind of it's a bit of a grim watch but it's fast awesome character work the directing is so good like i say it gets really weird it's pretty serious but he was so worth the time. But then I thought, oh, well, if he's having a bit of a grim watch for these two films, the master's not very grim, it's a bit serious. I'll show him a comedy. And I thought, he'll know about Fleabag and the big stuff because he lives in the modern world. So I'm going to show him Toast of London, the Matt Berry extravaganza, yes. this amazing show <laughs> that's just so funny. Like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> bloody purchase oh, fucking purchase and like this and it's a, well, it's about Stephen Toast who is a struggling actor played by Matt Berry written co-written by him and he also does voiceover works so every episode begins with him in the voiceover booth i think it's based off like his real experiences doing voiceover work yeah. and it's about his adventures i guess <laughs> trying to be an actor he doesn't know who Benedict Cumberbatch are or Michael Fassbender is. It's like a running joke. Fassbender's got the role. It's like, who? Like he doesn't know who it is. And, and he's also dealing with his arch nemesis, Rave Bloody Purchase. And he keeps shagging his wife and all this stuff. And there's an episode where an ex-girlfriend gets turned into Bruce Forsyth, the face in an ex in a botched... Uh, <laughs> in a botched job. And there's a bit where... A rival of the episode has put he's killed a fox he's cooking it on a spit and then Toast takes it off the spit and like throws it and goes like run along boy <laughs> you're free <laughs> it's just a dead fox on the spit it's just so funny 
and it's a bit weird as well uh that's really great and then i genuinely couldn't decide between picking like mad max or the raid or whiplash which is better than la la land uh as for my fourth pick i one of them whatever whatever he wants maybe mad max because <laughs> it's like great action um those are my picks <laughs> nice, but nice mix in there yeah, yeah yeah i mean the the toast of london came out of left field <laughs> i i totally agree um like it's like on paper like the dialogue when you read it, it just isn't funny but it's the way matt berry, matt says berry it. has got something so, about him like there's a whole episode where it begins with he just makes the word yes funny and it just yes oh it's just <laughs> it's great those are my picks brilliant nice one go on then host Very good. take us away round yeah. us off so to close it out i'll talk about some of what my picks would be so i think uh, i mentioned this on the last podcast um and i think this would be a good way to start uh it would be her mm. the 2013 masterpiece i think i think it's obviously like a very uh quite an emotional film quite an interesting kind of concept and everything but it's also would get this person up to speed on how sort of technology is becoming really integrated with people's lives and everything and how we sort of like forming relationships with our computers um you know and they're becoming more and more complex as time goes on obviously her is very much the sort of end point of where we could be going where you're actually dating an ai um and falling in love with an ai <laughs> but um it's one of my favorite films definitely of the last decade um you know Joaquin Phoenix is my favorite actor like i mentioned in the last podcast oh he's got two um, picks from us hey <laughs> yeah yeah um the soundtrack it's arcade fire who are one of my favorite bands um and uh it's just a really interesting film and a very good film as well um so for my second pick i would pick i think this came out in 2015 or 16 uh this is one of my favorite films probably ever uh birdman i'm gonna mm. pick for that um I just like, I know it has its critics, but I really like that film. It was generally regarded <laughs> as extremely, yeah, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was bad or anything. It, I, I thought it was fine. I just thought there was a lot of acting going on. Everyone was acting really hard. <laughs> Guys, you just don't understand cinema. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, I understand those um, criticisms for sure. Um, but I just enjoyed it on a technical level. I just enjoyed oh, yeah. the fact it was all one take. I enjoyed Very clever. the yeah, it was really clever. I really I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed the characters. You know, a lot of them sort of resonated with me, um, and I liked the sort of weird sort of kind of jazz drums that I'd occasionally come in and like break things up. And just from an editing standpoint, it was really clever, really interesting. Um, it just looks great as well. Like, uh, just I, I think I'd show that them simply. You know, they probably wouldn't be into the film. They probably wouldn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> but um, I think I'd show them, like, you know, how far cinema has come, how far filmmaking has come. And it's not relying on CGI. You know, it's just relying on pure kind of good editing. And, you know, final pick. Well, it's not final pick, actually, is it? Um, Penultimate pick. Talking about. Penultimate <laughs> pick. <laughs> I'm going to say this is the best TV series ever. It's my favourite TV series ever. I've already Large said the best TV here. series. Large I've already said the best claim. TV series. <laughs> what, Game of Thrones? But have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, this is wonderful, in my opinion. Uh, Breaking Bad. Yes, uh, okay. absolutely. 
Uh, you can't not show them Breaking Bad yeah. because this this TV series pretty much ushered in the golden age of TV as we know it now. And really, it's just incredible. I think it's one of the only TV series that just gets better and better and better as time goes on. There are slow episodes, there are fast episodes, they all work. There are amazing characters. The acting is incredible. Brian Cranston is phenomenal, unbelievable. Yeah. Like what? What an un, what an iconic character. What White is, um, so complex and so like intricately written. And it's just, you know, I've rewatched that that show several times, and I've never really been bored or thought, oh, this is dragging. I know what happens because I notice little details every single time. You know, it's it, it's incredible. I think. Um, yeah, and it and it didn't outstay its welcome either. Um, you know, the finale again. It has its critics. I don't. It does have its. It does have some critics, as in you know, it's a little bit convenient what happened. You know, but I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Like, you know, all the plot strands tied up perfectly. It ended in a you know a nice over the top kind of clever Walter White esque way. You know, where he he made this contraption that killed all these nazis and it's just it was brilliant and then he died and then and then oh, the series I ended. Know we're just gonna well okay possibly editors note in james <laughs> yeah I'll put, a, I'll put a note in but this shows however many years old now if you've not watched it that is on you yeah 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 it yeah, is I on, wouldn't tell it him is on me. that Walter White. I wouldn't tell him that Walter White died. Oh, but Christian's not seen it. <laughs> no, I've not. Oh, well, you can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, no, I, I, the, premise, I know, I the premise of the show, he gets terminal cancer, so you can kind of put say, two I, together. I, I've, seen, I've seen the first three episodes. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the first three episodes, and then I was like, right, I'm going to continue watching this. And... Um, <laughs> Christian, just I'm never, really just sorry, never mate. continued watching it. But no, uh, I'd already had it spoiled. I'd already had it spoiled. Oh, there okay. we go. He already knew. Yeah, he okay. already knew. It, it's okay. very hard to go about nowadays without ha- not have, especially if it's something that's talked about as Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. It's really oh. hard to not have it spoiled. Yeah, it's. I know oh. everything. I know everything that happens in Game of Thrones, and I've seen like seven episodes. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it was always inevitable that that's how he'd end up. Yeah. 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 Um, Terminal it's just, cancer, the yeah. Ju- it's, it's just the journey of getting there. Yeah. Oh, it's it's some so. of the best quality. Again, like you said, maybe the best quality television I've ever watched. It's yeah. so good. It's amazing. Yeah. Just so consistently good all the way through. Um, and so, for my final pick, I'm going to go for a similar pick to you previously. Um, I picked the original last week. <laughs> I'm going to pick the sequel this time. I'm going to show them Paddington 2. <laughs> 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 because, yeah, that film can do no wrong. Those films can do no wrong. This guy's a time traveller. He's travelled back in time. His brain's probably feeling a little bit mashed. <laughs> and our picks probably haven't helped that. Um, so... Calm him down with a bit of Paddington Bear, you know. But, but uh, would he understand the intricacies of Paddington Two if he's not seen the first one, Dan? Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. But he is a time traveller. He does understand. Uh, he is obviously an intelligent guy. He'll he'll get up to speed, you know. I, I, you know, I I honestly thought <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to be like, and now I'm going to show you Breaking Bad, and I'm going to show you how amazing Brian Cranston is. 
and then I'm going to finish off by showing you Godzilla <laughs> and show you how Brian Cranston has been wasted <laughs> since Breaking Bad yeah. ended. I'll show you the first yeah. five minutes of Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because he is a great actor, but he's never really hit hit upon that role that transcends Breaking Bad and like has no, no. broken him out into something else. Um, Are you gonna yeah. know? You know. No, I don't think gonna... yeah, I don't think you can. You can uh, every way, actor can hits that one role that yeah. just becomes them, and then everything they do after can be as amazing as it wants to be, but it's never going to transcend that one role that yeah. they will be remembered for. Pretty mad though. People like Harrison Ford like do it twice. Someone say three times. There, there, I was going to say there Pretty is there, there's he was very high... rarely you get to hit that a few more times. Harrison Ford was the highest grossing actor in Hollywood for a long time until like the modern blockbusters started making such ridiculous money for being a bit crap. <laughs> oh, well he said, is, James. Is, is it, well <laughs> said. Isn't it like Vin Diesel or someone? I think it, no, I think it's The Rock. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's The Rock. Of course it's The Rock. It's The Rock because he does stuff like, he does cash grabs like Fast and Furious, Rampage, Stuff like that. He was in Moana, which was good, but like yes, he yes. just does cash grab films that make money. And he also finds time to eat the eight thousand kilograms of salmon or whatever <laughs> he eats every day. Like his diet came out, didn't it? It was absolutely Mental. ridiculous. And yeah, and he he apparently carries like a God knows how many pound gym with him everywhere. Like that, I, mean, I don't think he physically gym. carries. He it. has a, like an entire portable. Yeah, no, he carries it on his back. <laughs> yeah. Right, so uh, on that note, I think we'll uh, call it a day there, guys. So, it's yeah, been yeah. a nice place to round up. Yeah. Um, so if you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe. It does help us out. It helps with the YouTube algorithm. I don't know what that is, <laughs> but apparently it helps. Um, but yeah, cheers for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.